Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're speaking with Stephanie Heinzela. And she's a little bit of everything. She is a midwife. She's a doula. She's a lactation consultant. She's an acupuncturist. I'll tell you a little more about her in a moment, the kind of full scope. But we're having a wonderful conversation about midwifery, obstetrics, uh, midwifery in other countries and comparing to the U.S., how to get your doula to be the best support for you, and what to do if you have a care provider that maybe you're not totally in line with and how your doula can really help support that that relationship. So before we jump into our conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Stephanie. So Stephanie Heinzler is a German-educated midwife and acupuncturist and U.S.-educated doula and IBCLC lactation consultant. She is the founder of the New York Baby, a team of 20 doulas and baby specialists, aka baby nurses. Stephanie was born in New York City, but grew up in Germany where she found her enthusiasm for midwifery at the age of 12, quite early for many, thanks to her little brother being born. And since then, she's delivered over 2,000 babies and loves being part of this special phase in a pregnant person's life. She is also one of the writers for Health and Baby, its pregnancy app and baby app. And with that, let me welcome Stephanie. It is so exciting to speak to you. Thank you so much. Hi, Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to jump into our topic about midwifery and doula and your work in Germany. I mean, when I looked at your bio, I was like, you do everything. I mean, I, midwife, I try. <laughs> midwife, acupuncturist, doula, childbirth educator, IBCLC. It's like you're like a one-woman shop. It's kind of amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me start with just asking you, talk to me a little bit about your background as a midwife and doula and what brought you to your work. So um, I've actually always wanted to be a midwife. I became a midwife um, pretty much right after school when I was 20. Um, but this uh, big urge was already a part of my life since I was 12 when my little brother was born. So it's his fault that I jumped on the midwifery line uh, pretty early on. And I tried to study and wanted to go maybe become a teacher or doctor. And But really, the, this passion was there. I did a lot of internships in delivery rooms starting 16 years old and just was hooked very early on and um, yeah went to midwifery school pretty much after school and um, followed through very quickly and then started working in a hospital in Frankfurt and um, worked for many years uh, and 2003 I moved to New York um, didn't know about doulas didn't know that midwives really work here and um did a lot of other things, worked in a GYN office um, and just you know looked at birth and pregnancy from another perspective. And 2006, someone told me about doulas. Um, and so became a doula that same year here in New York, um, continued to work in Germany. So for quite a few years, I commuted back and forth, which got a little exhausting. And so six years ago, um, I decided to stay in New York full time. So and I wanted doula work mostly here. I want now. to back up to one thing you said. So at 16, you were interning in delivery rooms? Yes. Can, yeah. 
Um, first of all, amazing. Cause I think of where <laughs> mentally and maturity wise I was at 16 and I don't know if a delivery room would be the place for me. Um, but how did, how'd you get that to work? Like, how did that get started? That was luck in a way. It was my dad having, he, he had a, he was in Rotary club in, in my, in the, you know, close to Frankfurt where I grew up and the, the CEO, whatever, like one of the main doctors at the hospital in our town, um, he told my dad to contact him and he said, I might be able to just, you know, shadow a little bit. Um, and this, they thought maybe a couple of days, but they really liked me and I liked being there. And so they took me on for a month doing summer vacation, which, yeah, my friends were just like looking at me and like, they're at the uh, beach and you're in scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like working and I didn't really, you know, I mean, it, it was an internship, but they paid me a little bit. I did like night shifts and, it just really excited me and and also seeing other people's reaction to be like whoa like what did you do and I even got to deliver a baby two years later so I continued to intern and uh, in other hospitals and then two years later was a very busy day I I ended up catching a baby um, with a doctor who just came running in because no midwife was available and um, and you know that even hooked me more and so yeah it was really. So how on, did you think that shaped me. how do you think that shaped your perspective of birth differently than your friends at the time that you know just kind of went on what I'd put in quotes kind of like normal understanding of sex yeah. and birth and that world cuz at 16 it's, yeah. it's young to start to dive so deeply into that kind of physiology of of birth yeah. I mean, I was way ahead with, with like birth and babies. And that's what a friend of mine recently said. I'm, I'm a mother of, I'm a godmother of one of her children. And I was there, um, during her birth. And so she was like, you know, you, you were part of this, like you knew about all this 10 years before we did. And then we kind of followed and you taught everything. And now we are like ahead of you in terms of, we, we moved away from that phase again, because now mm -hmm. the kids go to school and, so, um, yeah, it was, it was something very, for me, it, I think it made me kind of overly mature a little bit because, um, for me it was very normal and you're pregnant and well, then you have the baby and what's the big issue, you know, it wasn't, it was a very normal thing for me and it became such a routine at the same time in a good way because mm -hmm. I was standing in a delivery room so early on and in Germany birth is seen as a little bit more normal and not as dramatic and moms can move around and give birth wherever they want and yeah I definitely wanted so, to get into that comparison <laughs> it's a little different and um, so <laughs> I think that's I got a quite some relaxation which helped a lot of my friends who then I delivered their babies as a midwife and because for me it was just something well you're pregnant well you're having a baby this is a contraction and you know it, it wasn't like oh my god you know it was more very normal because I had seen it for so many years and and I was so young and kind of got into this kind of naive and yes it was kind of scary in the beginning because the birth didn't always go the way maybe it was expected but at the same time knowing that there's a whole team that can help and and you know make sure this mom is supported um just yeah I think let me have a very good philosophy um which at least that's what I hear from clients here mm -hmm. that um I, I bring in a lot of confidence and that's what helps a lot of moms well I was gonna get to this later but since we started let's go further so from your experience having worked in the U.S. and Germany can you talk a little bit about the two different birth cultures so, yeah, sure. It's, um, I mean, 
on one hand, it's sort of the same because Germany is as modern as the United States and we have all the testing and pretty much the same going on, ultrasounds. Um, it's a little bit different in terms of the care. The mother does have, usually has an um, um, OB-GYN or a GYN who takes care of her medically um, during pregnancy. And in addition to that, she has a midwife who she books early in pregnancy. It's paid by insurance 100%. Um, That's nice. So it's usually alternating, which is great. Um, for birth, the mother chooses the hospital. So she usually interviews, literally goes to open houses and... Uh, like out of the 10 in the city she lives in, she chooses the one she likes the most. So we usually as a midwife every two weeks, we had an open night and hopefully a delivery room was available and we made beautiful lighting and candles and oils and, you know, made it all pretty with cookies and <laughs> to kind of lure the mother in and say, hey, deliver with us because we give you the best experience possible. And every hospital does that. So every hospital has water birth. Every hospital has mats and beautiful lighting. And we call the rooms like Earthlight and, uh, you know, birthing Ireland. And we have all these different kind of beds with different shapes. And, you know, one room is more blue and one is more orange and one is more earthy and one is more, one is more has like a sky with beautiful lighting. So, it's, you know, for many moms after they're like, well, I didn't really care, but <laughs> it's kind of nice because they come and arrive being relaxed and they know they can go on the tub. They have the monitoring wireless. And at the same time, they have the C-section if necessary next door. They can have an epidural. We do have a lower epidural rate. Like here in New York, it's like 90, 95%. With doulas, it's a little less because the moms don't feel the need. Um, but here it's more, the people are more pushy, doctors and nurses are more pushy. Um, in Germany, the rate is 40%. Um, wow, that's a big difference. So it's much, much lower, yeah. And it's really, I think, because the mom can be in the delivery room early on, like she can arrive at the hospital in early labor, and she could linger around in the delivery room for a day or two. She gets her room, her postpartum room, she goes back and forth, and she's a little worried, but she's there. So... I think that's something that relaxes moms versus here when you're like, you have to show up at the hospital as late as possible and stay home as long as you can. And then they're like, well, is it too early? Is it too late? You know, it's, it's really scary for mothers to feel like maybe my baby's coming soon and I don't want my baby in the car. I don't even want to ride the car right now. Um, and a doula can help with that, but at the same time, it's still scary for the mother to have this decision and to know, oh, I have to hop in the car and arrive at the hospital and then answer 100 questions. In Germany, we have everything. So the mom arrives. I'm like, oh, here's your file. No more questions asked. So it's it's more relaxed. Generally, I think the approach is more, you know, it's it's just more laid back. We see birth as something normal. If the baby comes, if the mom arrives and the baby comes right away, we're like, oops, okay, great, you know, catch the baby. And here's like, don't push, you know, it's like we need your papers and your insurance and your doctor isn't here. And so it's, I think, generally more dramatic, um, which, which sometimes, you know, worries moms. It's not even that things are worse here. It's more that there's so much different staff and so many people who do different things. It's not in one hand. Germany, the midwife opens the door. The, the you know the, the birth is led by the midwife by law the midwife has to deliver the baby um the doctor might be present if you want he's certainly floating on the floor so you always have someone available 
but it's in the same hands and I do the paper and I do the monitoring. And I, so there's not five people coming in. One draws blood, one does the paper, one does the admission, one does the monitoring, and then the doctor comes in and does the exam. So our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. You brought up so yeah. many, it's like where my brain's in all places. Because I want to talk about, <laughs> first of all, I, I completely relate. But I, then I want to kind of highlight um, I'm going to throw some questions. We're going to go through them. But for those that don't know the difference, we're going to talk about the difference between OBGYN and midwife. Pause that one. And then I also want to just highlight what we, and you're also a childbirth educator, as am I. And what I always try to tell my students is that when we get you into your delivery room, making it as homey as possible, you know, shutting off the lights, bringing in pictures, making it you know, because there's that that feeling of I'm in a strange place. It's very bright. It's kind of cold. Weird smells. And then the body, you know, the adrenaline goes up. We go into that fight or flight. So, yeah. in in the other in the German culture, where it's it sounds like it's inviting. It's not like okay, now yeah. I have to do the work of creating the space. The space is there. It's there. So that's yeah. awesome. And then I love what you said about kind of the open houses. Like yeah. what I try to remind the students all the time is that it's a paper hire with your care provider. And I feel like sometimes that's forgotten that the the birthing person has a right to say yes or no, and it doesn't mm-hmm. always get set up that way, you know, because maybe limitations of insurance, which we'll talk about, like, how to deal with that. But I like that you're creating the, please hire me. I you know, here, here are my attributes, and yeah. hopefully we're a good combo. But it, I feel like in our culture, in the American culture, that's not how the relationship seems to be. Would you agree with that? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I love People that you can guys do, do that. an open house, um, you know, do. but they already know that they're going to deliver there. So there's not a lot of options. Not that they can yeah. say, I don't like this. I want to go somewhere else. Um, and uh, and there's not the same thing. Is that It's not like customer service. It's yeah, more like which it who be. we are. And maybe there's a video, maybe they can view a room, but it's not that the room is anywhere inviting. I mean, a few are bigger, certain hospitals have larger rooms, yeah. but it's it's not that they're like beautiful and, and look cozy and inviting and here's the tub and it's more like, well, if you need to take a bath, it, this might be possible, but... Yeah, and then really also the idea, <laughs> and then the idea of also arriving, you know, as a doula, that was always something I tried to be, especially a new when I was a new doula. I mean, yeah. I will admit, I'm going to say it. There was moments where I'm like, let's just get to the hospital because I don't yeah. know. As yeah. I got more seasoned, I started to understand from listening and looking where things were. Yeah. But that takes an eye and an experience. And yeah. if a couple doesn't have, or even just the birthing person doesn't have someone to to overview and know with that education, it can be very anxiety producing. If the care provider is saying, you don't want a lot of interventions, stay home. And then there's that nervousness of like, am I too late? I don't want yeah. to give birth in the cab or the Uber. So yeah. I think the fact that the system, it, it, you know, outside of the U.S. is saying, come in, 
please be here. We're here yeah. for you. It really does. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that that was a, a possibility and it really can take the anxiety away. All right. Yeah. So let's back first. Of all, thank you. That was amazing. I kind of mind shattering <laughs> for me. So for those mm-hmm. that are maybe newer to the birth world, um, I get a lot of people and I say like I was a doula, like, oh, so you catch babies? I'm like, no. Um, yeah. Or people say, um, or not, not purposely, or people that will say, um, can I have a midwife and an OB? And, and here in the States, it's, it's not as, it's not as cohesive of working together. Yeah. So can you talk about the different, the differences and the different roles and then how you see in the U S them working together? So, um, Germany is, more, it's more separated, but at the same time, it's more together. So during pregnancy, the mom has both. So usually she has her doctor once a month and towards the due date, maybe every week. Uh, she can see a midwife, especially when she has that midwife booked for postpartum. Every mother gets 30 postpartum home visits by a midwife paid by insurance. And yes, so that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. It's really amazing. But the problem is that midwives get literally paid $30, 30 no, sorry, 30 euros um, per visit, no matter how long the visit is. So the problems is on the side of the midwife because the midwife struggling to survive with these mm-hmm. home visits. So we have this huge movement right now with like midwives trying to earn more money with the home visits or moms not being able to get a midwife because there's not enough midwives right now. But that being said, I did a lot of home visits, of course, in Germany, and I loved it because you do get to know your client and your your patient in that regard. If I was lucky, maybe I even delivered her. And so, you know, it's uh, the midwife is doing a little bit before the birth and then a lot postpartum. The mother does not see an obstetrician after birth at all. The midwife is making all the medical decisions. She's weighing the baby, checking on jaundice. The, the pediatrician might have to be to be seen after two weeks. Um, you make you 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 draw blood. You give injections. You you do everything that the mother would get from her OB and the pediatrician. So that is really nice because it's in one hand and it belongs together. Mm-hmm. And at the hospital, she, the mother will be greeted by the midwife, taken care of by the midwife. The midwife does what the doula would be doing here and a midwife in the hospital if the mom had chosen a midwife. So the midwife does the medical part and the support part, the emotional part. She might, of course, have to take care of two, three moms at the same time. So she's not like constantly there, but it's one shift. So she's there for like eight to 10 hours. Um, and the doctor shows up for like medical emergencies or huge decisions. So oftentimes when we had births that took longer or that were more medical, or of course an epidural and we were like, well, the blood pressure is dropping. You had the doctor in the room. So there was usually one doctor responsible for, you know, a delivery room with like five rooms and three midwives, um, just like going back and forth and checking what's going on and always present for the birth, at least on the floor. So if not in the room, then they were around. And then we had uh, another doctor there who were able to jump in for like C-section. So there were two doctors and one midwife. But also for C-sections, the midwife has to attend the C-section because she's the one responsible for the baby. So, so how's the scope of practice different here? Um, one big difference is that because by law, the midwife has to deliver the baby, the doctor is not allowed to deliver a baby by him or herself. You know, we are more empowered. We just, we can make decisions. I do the Pitocin. There's no putting in the order, nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I do, I did everything myself. I decided when to do what, when to break the water, when to admit, when to decide for vacuum, call the doctor or not call the doctor, things like that. Resuscitation of mother or baby, everything is done by a midwife. Um, 
But what we don't do as midwives in Germany is um, care for non-pregnant women. So here, midwives can also do, you know, well yearly women. exams, yeah. well women care, and are trained in that, and we don't do that in Germany. So the midwife is really only there for pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and conception, and, you know, contraception as well. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we, like, I was trained in acupuncture, and midwives are the only people in Germany who are allowed to acupuncture, to do acupuncture on a pregnant person. Mm. So pregnant people only saw midwives in the delivery room or outside and that was paid by insurance so we have a lot of acupuncture and wonderful results with that um so if someone was pregnant yeah. and they were just having like heartburn and they wanted like right yeah. now i it would be the midwife it wouldn't be a separate acupuncturist no no oh, because the acupuncturists they weren't they are not trained there's a few who took on a certain training to be allowed to give treatment to pregnant women but there are certain points that you can't use when people are pregnant and also um, insurance wise doing pregnancy insurance agreed to pay. Um, but if a mother is, you know, if someone is not pregnant, um, then they usually don't pay. And so the mom, of course, they, they want to see the midwife, um, because they get reimbursed. Mm -hmm. That's another reason. I didn't realize how much, how different the midwifery role was in Europe. Is that kind of standard Pretty just Germany much. Or UK just kind of for sure. UK, Netherlands. I mean, yeah. Netherlands, they have, what, 60% of home births um, led by midwives. And uh, France, led by midwives. Italy, Spain. They have less home visits, so it's not as common to do, like, those 30 visits. That Germany is really, you know, very, very, very good with that and has wonderful results. But the UK has it. So usually United States and UK especially here, like when I got trained with lactation, for example, we always look at studies and numbers in the UK because, you know, we're used to be a British country. So it's like, um, usually we compare ourselves with the UK. And so, the UK but numbers our birthing are about is, the same. Our birthing Germany. is so different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what would, so say someone's newer to the birth and they're just listening to this and they're hearing the difference between OBGYN and a midwife in Germany, what would someone expect here in the States? I mean, you know, if someone is early pregnant, I would strongly recommend to hire a midwife instead of an OB because the midwife can do, of course, just as medical stuff as the OB and would refer if something gets really tricky. Um, but that being said, you need to have hired your midwife usually by what, eight weeks of pregnancy, even the good OBs are getting booked by like eight or 10 weeks of pregnancy. Um, but most mothers, also my own clients, I'd say 95% are with an obstetrician already when I get in touch with them, when they get in touch with me. Um, and there are amazing obstetricians. It's more like knowing what questions to ask. So it's not that every obstetrician is super medical. They, mm -hmm. There are a lot of them, like birthing center obstetricians who, you know, Lennox Hill has a couple, like Mount Sinai East, they have wonderful obstetricians who are super hands off. So it's more choosing the right OB mm -hmm. and knowing who is maybe working like a midwife. I have a couple who I adore and they work like I would work as a midwife. And, um, and then if you have more medical approach doctors, just knowing your questions, hire a doula and the doula is not against everything, but the doula will give the mother the questions. So, mm -hmm. It's more like empowering the mother, knowing what to ask. I had a mom last year who worked with an obstetrician who I really don't like. And I don't like working with this doctor. And the mom was like, you know, I don't want to switch. And I think I can work with this doctor. I'm, I'm strong-minded and, you know, I'll fight for things. And I'm already fighting for a lot of stuff. Would you mind, you know, being my doula with this doctor? 
And I said, okay. And we had a wonderful outcome because the mom kept fighting the whole pregnancy and always questioning him. And, and at some point he just kind of relaxed and he, he got that she was different and didn't want everything the doctor wanted and, and really gave in and, you know, welcomed me. And it was perfect, really. So I think if a mom has, is feisty and is like, okay, I can, I'm strong enough to fight for things. That's great, but there's not a lot of moms who want that. In yeah, pregnancy, and it's hard. <laughs> it's an uphill battle. It's a lot of yeah. energy. So since we're time. talking about duels, let's shift gears a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about the scope of practice, what a pregnant person should expect from a doula? Because a doula, again, I have so many people that when I'm like, I'm a doula, like, oh, really? What? Yeah. They don't know. So what would you say someone should expect and not expect? Like what's Doulas. out of the scope and what's in the scope? Yeah. So doulas are non-medical. That's the most important thing. Um, doulas don't make medical decisions. They don't give answers or would start fighting with the doctor. But doulas are for their advocate for the mother during labor mainly, and of course for the partner. Um, they're a person who is usually we call it. Sometimes they call themselves like the expert in the room, which in, a, in fact is true because they see both perspectives. They see, of course, the medical part, and they see what the mother wants, what's doable, what's not. Um, a doula is a coach, a birth coach who is a guidance through all phases of pregnancy, labor, and birth, and postpartum. So it's like the one constant, um, and really a person who wants to find out what does the mother want for pregnancy, but mainly, of course, for the birth and postpartum, and how do we get there? Knowing, for example, the obstetrician, knowing that team, knowing what protocol this hospital has, knowing what's doable and what's not, and really there's a lot of training and communication, like how to communicate maybe when the mother doesn't get what she wants, and sometimes um, buying time. So because I'm not in labor and I'm not like, panicking and knowing what the situation is and knowing that it's not an emergency, um, even as a new doula, because the nurse told me so, for example, um, then buying time by asking power questions like, you know, is my client okay? Is she okay? Is there anything going on medically with her? Is there anything going on with the baby? Is there any stress the baby has like dips, heartbeat things? And then if the doctor says, well, no, mom and baby are fine, then asking the, the famous question, can we have more time? Which is, you know, so often the doctor's like, sure. And you're like, whoa, okay. So it's oftentimes the, the parents think of that because maybe in that moment they're like, whatever, I don't care, let's do the C-section. And I know that this client will ask me forever and ever, was that the right decision after birth, right? It seems very convenient right now. But then after she's like, should we have taken more time? And often that half hour, that hour where the doula gets the time to do stuff with the mother. And that's the other thing a doula is trained in positioning the baby, opening the pelvis, moving the mother around, um, you know, knowing where the baby needs to go in which phase up to using breathing techniques, like making sure the mom opens her pelvic floor as much as possible. Um, that helps tremendously. And oftentimes doctors don't mind as long as they are being asked, right? And, and they give the, okay, I've had a mom, when was that? February. We, oh my God, it took forever and she didn't progress and we didn't know what was going on. What we found out in the end, which I figured was the cord was wrapped around the neck. So the baby was just kind of bouncing back all the time. Yeah. Um, but also the baby malpositioned for a while. So I put the mom in a downward facing dog in the delivery room on the bed with the nurse left and right in an epidural, we literally lifted her up 
Like she couldn't move, she felt her legs, and the doctor allowed it. And we were able to turn the baby, and it was a vaginal birth. So, you know, you have to be creative and no spinning babies, and there's lots of training doulas do. And that, I think, as a client, is the key to ask the doula you interview with, what other training do you have? I mean, a new doula can still have other training, spinning babies and breathing techniques, other than the weekend training that she does to become a doula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that but because the doula does have hopefully you know other trainings and other knowledge that yeah. um, the traditional obstetrician probably doesn't think about or know. I remember being in a birth and asking something about baby position and the doctor saying like that doesn't really matter, and I felt kind of shot down. Yeah. And I'm like because I had just talked to my clients about let's find out. I think it's malposition. Let's do this, yeah. and that may not be in their realm of practice because yeah. that's not you know that's not where they're thinking. And you know baby position is huge, and for to have a support person that can recognize that and have that information of how to like you said move the mom, move the baby can make a huge difference on the functionality of the birth. Yeah. 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 So what about when, and so your client did this before she, she kind of fought for what she wanted, but how can someone utilize a doula if they're, if they don't have a care provider that they like, or they're kind of stuck because I know it's some in New York city, there's a fair amount of people you know, yeah. to choose from and, you know, fair amount of insurances, but there's more rural places or some places that you just don't have as many choices. So how can a doula help support that? Uh, a big thing is really stepping back and being like, okay, what was your initial birth plan? Where where are we at? Let's say the big thing is usually induction, right? So induction overdue or induction because the baby hasn't been growing properly or not enough amniotic fluids. And um, so let's say the mom calls me and she's on her way home and she's crying. She's like, I'm supposed to be getting induced tonight. Um, and then really looking at, okay, I'm, I'm not telling the mother to say no to this because if a doctor has a medical reason, there's a medical reason, but it's more asking the mother, okay, how important or how strongly did your doctor advise you on that? And how much wiggle room do you have? And where are you at at this point? Because if, you know, if I would, let's say I talk a mother out of this induction she might have a sleepless night. She gets super worried. The doctor made her sign a consent form, that, like it's her responsibility. I don't really want that. Um, so it's more looking at, okay, what's the reason? And yes, I get that you don't want this, but y- you know, how strongly did the doctor advise to you for you to do that? Because sometimes they're like, well, let's do this tonight because we have some space tonight. Um, and if th- she calls her doctor back and she's like, you know what, this is freaking me out. I'm super nervous. Can we please postpone this for tomorrow with this medically safe? Like, is my baby going to be okay tomorrow? Many doctors say, you know what? Yeah, that's, you can wait until tomorrow. You can maybe do some natural induction methods tonight and try a couple of things. And they are okay with that. It's oftentimes a scheduling thing um, for the hospital. Of course, for themselves, they are on duty right now and they would like to be there themselves. Um, but if the mom relaxes with that and says, okay, tomorrow would be someone else, but I'm okay with that. I, I can buy more time. That can help. Um, sometimes it's also just calming down the mom. I mean, we don't, we might not want this. We might not want the induction or we might not want whatever the water being broken, but it's more telling the mom why this makes sense at this point. And if when I confirm, which of course for me, it's kind of easy because I've done midwifery and, you know, I've been a doula in New York for like 12 years now. So I know exactly where the doctor's coming from. And a huge thing is also liability and not taking some risks and being like, well, 
yeah, let's wait another week and then something happens to the baby, God forbid. So I can see where they're coming from and also tell the mother, you know what, we want to be safe. Everybody wants to be safe. We want to make sure this baby is growing properly. And it's always the question, is your baby, baby safer inside the womb or outside? And the transition might not be great for, for you, but you know, rather have an induction where the baby's getting monitored and we know baby's fine in early labor than having some risky situation five days later where you're in early labor at home and we don't even know what's going on. So mm-hmm. it's more telling the mom, you know what, your doctor's cautious and that's a good thing. And uh, and then oftentimes they're like, oh. So it's it's really, I don't ever want to be one of those doulas who's like fighting against, no, and we want the natural approach and because we want a healthy baby and a good outcome and and in a safe environment and emergencies might happen. You just, you don't know. And um, here, yes, it's a little bit more about control in this country, right? And making sure everything is fine. But there's a reason for that because unfortunately there are a lot of lawsuits against obstetricians and so they have their reasons. Um, and oftentimes I really agree, like, you know, looking at maybe the mom's way overdue or the baby hasn't been moving properly the last few days. I'm like, you know, you notice those signs. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not coming out of the blue and it's it's not something that is completely, you know, not necessary. Um, so I think that is really a big thing to discuss with the doula and hearing the options and maybe even then talking about, okay, how can we make this as comfortable as possible and when the doula would arrive and what to expect. That's a huge issue and anxiety that the mom has. She doesn't, she's freaking out because she has no idea. Like the baby's going to come tonight. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. This is an induction. This is going to take 24 hours and Mm -hmm. overnight you might even be sleeping. And this is usually a process that takes quite a while. And so you have some time to adjust, um, And oftentimes I've certainly had inductions that went beautifully with no other medication other than what was needed for the induction, no epidural, giving birth, like squatting, you know, it's, so it's not always a overly medicated birth if that's not what the mom wants. Well, what, Um, how, what would a, what could a birthing person expect from their doula? So say they know they're not on board that the, the doula and that's right, the, the mother and the doctor are not totally eye to eye what way so you're talking about you know the doula it's not a medical person so is there anything that the birthing person should be expecting the doula we don't want to put the doula in middle but like what can the doula do it's more you know if i'm in the room one thing is like i'm not in the room and it's like the mom coming home from the doctor's visit Mm -hmm. then it's a little different but then it's more me like okay if you really don't clearly don't want this if you don't want this induction for example right or your water broke and they tell you to come and you really don't want to this is your responsibility so are you okay with that that's your responsibility and you might have to sign something and are you okay with that and some moms are like great yes i am and they give it a few more days or they wait or go back home come back the day later and they signed a waiver and the doctor was off the hook in a way um if i'm in the room um for births and i've had inductions of course or other situations where the mom came into the hospital and something was done and she really didn't agree at all but we were just like okay this is your doctor telling you this and the doctor literally refused to take care of my client if she refused to do whatever they wanted to do so then what can you do there's not Mm -hmm. much you can't really switch providers you 
you know, it's, it's not great, but at the same time, thank God I haven't had this happen often. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the room, um, let's say, you know, the doctor wants to break the water or I see the doctor wants to do something like an internal monitoring, like a little hook on the baby's mm -hmm. head. Um, I usually, you know, I usually, so one thing is that I, I, I give my client and tell my client, Hey, you know, your doctor wants to do the internal monitoring or breaking the water. Are you okay with that? And I have this um, little uh, insider knowledge with my client that if I ask her, are you okay with that? She knows I am not. So, and if I tell her, this is why your doctor wants to do that, then she knows I'm on her, I'm on the doctor's side. So that's a little secret I have with my client, because when I ask my client, are you okay with that? My client is like, hold on, or her husband, her partner is like that. And then they can ask the question and I'm not in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and then usually the doctor explains, oh, I want to do the internal monitoring because, you know, we don't have const constant monitoring. The baby keeps moving and, or I want to break the water because things haven't progressed. And then the husband or partner can ask the question. Um, and if they didn't ask everything that I feel should have asked, then I ask questions. And, you know, if I still feel, well, we could wait a little bit, then I sometimes say, is there anything we can do we wait to wait with this because it was, a, I remember that it was a huge um, wish of yours. And I look at my client, I remember this was very important to you to not have the water broken artificially or to not have that internal, internal monitor. Is there anything we can do? So that's as far as I go. I don't ever want to be like, we really don't want this or because, you know, first of all, the OB could send everybody out of the room, the partner and me and be like, I do this now. And second, um, there's a reason why doctors want to do certain things. Um, and usually that does it. I've, well, you I've have really had situations. That, like, so, you know, yeah. for the average doula. Same it, thing. It, Is there anything we can do? There's anything we can um, do, but, you know, the kind of the code of like, I don't agree with this, you know, ask more questions. Yeah. But the average doula doesn't have the kind of medical background you do. So what could the how could the doula support? I guess just keeping asking questions. Yes. And that's what I, I train my doula. So I have an agency with 12 other doulas, right? Mm -hmm. And we do monthly meetings. And just recently we had a meeting about interventions and, you know, what kind of interventions are there? And I listed the questions that could be asked. Um, so the doulas, you know, many experienced doulas knew of them. And then the new ones were like, oh my God, this is amazing. But um, I think that's, that's a big key to just really keep asking questions and, also, I think, you know, I might not even ask a lot of questions because I feel the doctor really wouldn't answer them. But then I'm like, okay, asking my client again, are you okay with that? And what other questions do you have? And I want you to be okay. So then I really turn to my client and say, I want you to be okay with this. What else does your doctor need to do? What else do we need to do? in order for you to feel safe with this. So it's really and using the doula. Client, yeah. can, every doula can ask this question. Yeah, right? so it's using the doula to help the mother find her voice to ask or yeah. the partner. Because if yeah. the mom's really laboring in kind of that, that space yeah. and she hopefully isn't in her frontal brain thinking. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's really using the doula to recognize where questions should be asked. Yeah. And that can then take the confrontation because some, some care providers don't necessarily like doulas that are too yeah. pushy. So it's, it's kind of helping the mom find her voice. Is that what you're saying? It's yes. Yeah. And it, it, it can be hard. There's certainly doctors where I know it's difficult and I've certainly had situations where I was just like, yeah, let's just, let's just do this. It's not the end of the world. It's the, the water, you know, for example, water being broken or drawing or giving you IV fluids. That's another thing where I'm like, okay, 
it it makes you be happy if we don't fight against this. There are more important things. Let's just let's just do this. And sometimes I tell my clients, sometimes like just you know what, I think it's fine, and let's just everybody's happy with this. And um, if you don't mind, let's maybe just move forward with this. It's not a huge intervention. Um, but it's so, a good tool. Yeah. It's a good tool for doulas to hear, but also for laboring people to hear if they're choosing a doula, like how to really utilize them to their to their best. Yeah. So I want to. I know you have to head off soon, so I want to kind of sort of yeah, wrap things fine. up with um. If so, since you've seen birth in multiple cultures, is there one or two lessons that you've seen elsewhere that you would love to see in the U.S.? Any practices or just kind of wishes, like, oh, it would be great if this was here, evidence-based shows this is better, or even just kind of something you personally like? I mean, positioning is a big, big thing. I was just at a talk yesterday with Village Obstetrics, amazing obstetric Love team, them. right, about Chinese, yes. and it was a talk about uh, pelvic floor and the functional pelvis. They were there. It was wonderful, and you know, it's it's really a big thing is positioning and letting the mom deliver the way she wants. At Lenox Hill, there's a couple of doctors who they they don't care. The mom delivers squatting, hands and knees, standing, whatever. They they just they're just where the mom is and. And same with, you know, VOB and other, of course, doctors. And that, I think, is a huge thing because in Germany and I know the UK and other countries, the mother can deliver on hands and knees and, you know, moving her pelvis and deliver in a way where she makes sounds and doesn't do this like, you know, head to chest, no sounds, push everything, bear everything down. Um, because that might hurt her pelvic floor more and it might make her feel she's out of control. So letting the mom push the way she wants and utilize her power and maybe the sound um, and use the position. And yes, if the hospital protocol needs the mom to be on her back, whatever, then okay. But then she could be standing up until the baby's coming, like the last two minutes she needs to lie down. And there's some doctors who do that, which I think that's wonderful because the mom can move around in the last two minutes she can handle, you know, she can handle it to lie down. But I think that's a big thing because we see less tearing if a mother is allowed to deliver on her side or hands and knees with an epidural, she could be on her side. Um, if she pushes the way she can and just giving her more time with that. Um, and that I think is the biggest, the biggest thing. And just letting the mom doing her sounds. There's some doctors who are like, Oh, in my rooms, nobody screams or in my room, nobody makes a, make some noise. And I'm just like, that doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not necessarily pain. It, yes, for moms it is sometimes, but oftentimes they use that and they, they make those loud noises and it sounds amazing and some partners are amazed and, you know, it's it's powerful for the mother to I have, make I kinda, those sounds. I wrote an article and coined this thread called Open Throat, Open Vagina. Yeah. That when yeah, yeah, the yeah. throat is opened, because, yes. you know, there's a connection between it's the, the same larynx. same muscle. Yeah. Yep. And if it's a high, tight sound, we know the pelvic floor is tight and contracted with the traps. And we know if it's an open, lower, kind of vibrant sound, the pelvic floor opens. So I look for those. You know, I yep. encourage that because it's going to help release is going to be the endorphins. Yeah. I can't stand when care providers tell people to be quiet. It's, it's yeah. disempowering. And curl into the ball and then yeah. the pelvic floor is closed. And so I think, and that's something that's easy to implement. I'm not even someone who's like, oh, you everybody has to give birth at home. Or I think, you know, why not have the safety of a hospital for the moms who feel like they want it and the home birth moms, they feel safer with a home birth. I mean, really, you know, have your options, but it's, it's, it's about, the pushing phase, giving the mom a lot of empowerment and, and guiding her. 
Um, and that is not difficult for a doctor and, you know, midwives, I mean, midwives usually are totally fine with that, right? But it's not that difficult other than, yes, they might have to bend over and go in their hands and knees. I mean, I saw Dr. Ng Lennox Hill a few weeks ago and she was like crawling under my client and delivering it. But she was like, I can still do it. You know, I'm like uh, fine with my age. Maybe when I'm six, I can't. But right now I can. So you do your thing. And that was beautiful. We all caught the baby because the mom was standing. So there were six hands underneath me and the dad and the, the doctor. And, and that was beautiful. That's you know, that's how it should be. And for a mother to look back on that and also really having the feeling that I delivered this baby and not I was delivered. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's a huge difference. And you, you have that feeling more when you're lying on your back and there's like eight pairs of eyes looking down on you. And like a light shining <laughs> on your vagina yeah. and Everest. Yeah, that's not very it's powerful. Just so just turning away from all that and, you know, sticking your butt towards those people, yeah. it, it makes a huge difference because you have your own private little your area. Yeah. Are there any final tips that you want to offer as we start to wrap up? You know, I think, I mean, every mom who's interested in hiring a doula or has a few questions can certainly reach out to me. Um, ask questions like doula, lactation consultant questions, or even, even who needs a care provider. Sometimes, of course, people want to switch. Um, another thing I really think that sometimes people don't, don't keep in mind is like you're giving birth, take care of yourself, really make sure you feel comfortable. I don't want any mom to hear. I haven't slept in a month. And then she goes in labor. Mm -hmm. If you didn't sleep, if you don't feel way, see an acupuncturist, see a, you know, a chiropractor, make sure you feel as comfortable as possible before you go in labor, because it is like a marathon. So you do want to feel fit and you know, great and amazing. And if it's a little more costly, okay, but at least you go in labor and you feel fine and you have a much better birth outcome. Um, so don't work until your due date, but take that time, sleep, take care of yourself and uh, do yoga. I'm, yeah. oh my God, I'm the best, huge yoga fan. Yeah. And, and do the breath work, really connect with other moms who are in the same stage. Um, that makes a Finding huge difference. your tribe. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make sure everyone has all your information on our show notes. So if they do want to reach out, they can find you. And Wonderful. thank you. Thank you so much. I love chatting. Thank you. Yeah, same here. Thanks for <laughs> asking so many wonderful questions. Thank you. Enjoy your <laughs> afternoon. Take care. Thanks, Bye. you too. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.